0: This is Because I Said So, parenting advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond. Syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved, from American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Hello and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Because I Said So, with your host, John Rosemond. That would be me. For those of you who are tuning into the program for the first time, I am a heretic psychologist licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board, which regrets the day they ever gave me a license. Why? Because I go around the country and I tell the truth about clinical psychology, which is that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, parent, mother especially, marriage, school, community, and culture than psychologists even know how to solve. That's truth number one. Truth number two is that psychology is right up there with journalism as one of, if not the most, atheistic profession in America. And for that reason, Christians should not, under any circumstances, be seeing psychologists in In a way, that's what this program, this particular episode of the program, that is, is all about. Seeing a psychologist, or more specifically, taking your child to a psychologist. So I recently received a question via email from the parents of an eight-year-old child who began by saying that uh, the boy, eight years old, did fine in school, in the first grade, but has struggled in the second grade. They say, the parents, that they have read my book, Helping Your Child Succeed in School, and taken my advice and not helped much with homework, other than, as they describe it, occasional and brief consultations. He is the son making average grades, but his second grade teacher, who is fairly young, is telling the parents that their son is actually slightly behind in both reading and math. And, you know, this is what public schools do these days. They, they give a child average to above average grades the whole year long And then, at the end of the school year, right up against the end of the school year, announced to the parents that despite the child's average to above average grades, he's actually behind. Just one more reason why I advise today's parents to do everything they possibly can to keep their children out of the clutches of America's government schools. Public is nothing more than a euphemism for government, which means... Education that is subsidized and therefore is not competing fairly in the marketplace. Anyway, before I go too far down that rabbit hole, the parents uh, say they met recently with the school counselor, school psychologist, and his teacher. Because suddenly now, this is a very serious problem, mind you. All of whom recommend that the child be tested for ADHD and a learning disability. The parents say, we really don't want to go down that road, but the folks at the school are making it seem like that's the only responsible thing for us to do. And they're asking my advice on this. The parents, not the school. The school doesn't want my advice because I agree with the parents that they really don't want to go down that road. That road involves three words, test, diagnose, medicate. You Whoever you are out there, you, not just the parents of this eight-year-old child, but you, in the broad sense of the term, you do not want to offer your child up as a sacrifice to the ungodly trinity of psychology, psychiatry, and pharmacy under any circumstances. In the first place, back to the issue of this particular child, the fact that an eight-year-old boy is... Struggling in school and, quote, slightly behind in reading and math, and yet making decent grades does not, in my estimation, indicate a serious problem. Now, I I know what the school is doing here. Folks, I was trained as a school psychologist, and I spent uh, the first three years of my career working in schools as a psychologist and as a consultant. And I absolutely know that what's motivating this sudden panic at the end of the school year concerning this eight-year-old boy is nothing more than the fact that the school needs more bodies in their special education program. And if you're accusing me out there of cynicism, I'm guilty as charged. But it's a cynicism based on lots and lots of knowledge and experience concerning America's public schools. The bell-shaped curve, which schools seem to have forgotten or It's either that or they conveniently ignore the fact of the bell-shaped curve. The existence of this statistical device called the bell-shaped curve predicts that some otherwise normal, in other words, problem-free children will perform below the academic mean. Private schools try to weed those kids out before they get to kindergarten because those are the kids who are going to bring down their test scores. Public schools can't weed them out. So, in public school, one is likely to find a greater proportion of kids who, quote, struggle, and quote. Furthermore, a disproportionate number of the kids in question are likely to be boys. Because boys are distractible, impulsive. I uh, I did a, a mops group, a talk at a mops group, mothers of preschool Preschoolers, I guess it's it, the acronym stands for. Anyway, I did a talk at a mops group here in my hometown of New Bern, North Carolina this morning. And after the talk, I was uh, talking to a mother who had two children with her, very young kids, boy two and a half, girl three and a half. The girl was standing stock still next to her mother, patiently waiting for instruction the boy was <laughs> he was a boy racing all around the room, jumping around, twirling, etc., etc. And I came very close to saying to the mother, um, here's my card. You need to call me in a couple of years, a few years when the school tries to tell you that there's uh, something neurologically wrong with your child. Anyway, I've said this many, many times in my nationally syndicated newspaper column, my books, my this weekly radio show on American Family Radio every Saturday at six o'clock Eastern Time. There is no, and folks, this is not my opinion. Some people, you know, they, they dismiss this. They say, well, that's your opinion, John. No, no, no. This is not my opinion. This is a fact. It's a fact. There is no scientific validity to a diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Unlike verifiable physical diseases like cirrhosis of the liver, ADHD is a construct. It's not a verifiable, ver, excuse me, verifiable reality. On numerous occasions over the past 30 years, ever since I, the first person, in the mental health professions to come to this realization and announce it publicly. On many occasions, I have publicly challenged psychologists, psychiatrists, pediatric neurologists, people in the mental health professions to provide concrete proof that ADHD is inherited, that it involves something called a biochemical imbalance, or that it is reflected in brain differences, all of which these people frequently claim concerning ADHD, I have yet to hear a lucid response from anyone in the mental health professions. All I ever hear is, oh, you're blaming parents. Well, I'm just not going to fall for that. As for determining whether a child has ADHD by giving tests, it is fascinating to note that the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is known as the Diagnostic Bible of the Mental Health Professions, lists not one test-based criteria for making a diagnosis of ADHD. The question, therefore, becomes, since tests do not figure into making this diagnosis. Why do therapists so often recommend and administer them? And the only answer I can come up with is that the tests in question are given to create the impression that the diagnosis is arrived at vis-a-vis a scientific process when it's not. Let me assure you, folks, A experienced therapist, psychologist, clinical social worker, whatever the designation is, knows 10 minutes into the first interview with the parents what diagnosis he or she is going to make concerning the child. The therapist's recommendation, claim is a better word, that he or she must administer tests To verify the diagnosis or arrive at the diagnosis is nothing but what is called mystification. And and by the way, when I have made that charge, again, publicly, psychologists, this is their stock answer, stock answer. They tell me that the tests, IQ tests, uh, perceptual motor tests, blah, 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 I, I used to give them, are not given to obtain the diagnosis. Oh, no. They're given in order to obtain a big picture of the child. So the question then becomes, if the very expensive tests in question, the usual battery costs anywhere from 1500 to $5,000, are not necessary to the diagnosis, why do so many parents obtain the impression that they are? So I'm almost out of time in this particular segment. This show is broken up into two segments. The entire show, for those of you who are listening, well, of course, because I'm not talking to people who aren't listening, am I? (laughs) But the show is 26 minutes in its entirety, broken up into two 13-minute segments. And I've got to stick fairly closely to that. They are called hard breaks in the radio industry. So I'm coming right up right now on a hard break, and it wouldn't be a good idea for me to take this discussion any further in this particular segment because the the rest of this is really it, it needs to be in one package so if you'll stay with me right after the break there'll be more of this heresy. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show's called Because I Said So. We're all about what is now in America called parenting. An interesting word because the raising of children was not called anything. Back in the 1950s or before, it was just uh, described as raising children or bringing up kids or something like that. And now we have this professional, technical-sounding term, parenting that succeeds at creating the impression, which is what uh, psychologists and Satan want to create, uh, that uh, the raising of a child is uh, a technology or requires knowledge of a a behavioral uh, technology that will enable you to succeed if you master it. And if you don't master it, then you're doomed to a plethora of discipline problems with your child. So anyway, before we get into the second half of of the the sort of the meat of the program, which is today revolving around the issue of an eight-year-old boy who, by definition, is distractible, impulsive, and so on and so forth, whose parents, right up at the end of the school year, have been told by the school and and therefore thrown into a state of panic that even though their son, eight years old, second grade, has been making decent grades all year, oh no, he has a serious problem. No, I maintain the public school has a serious problem. They need more bodies in their special education program, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Anyway, before the break, I was talking about these tests that are supposedly necessary or portrayed by mental health professionals, psychologists uh, especially, as being necessary to making a diagnosis, an accurate diagnosis of attention deficit disorder. No, they're not. There are no test-based criteria listed under the heading attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, number one, These tests cost anywhere from $1,500 to $5,000. Number two, I, in my cynical wisdom, maintain that the tests are given for two reasons. Number one, to create the impression, the false impression, that something scientific is being done to arrive at the diagnosis when it is not. The therapist already knows, the psychologist already knows what diagnosis he's going to give. He knew that 10 minutes into the first interview with the child's parents. And secondly, they are given to make a lot of money. This is a flim-flam game, folks. It is a scam. There used to be, and I think there still is, a group in Charlotte, North Carolina. They were what I call, and maybe still are, an ADHD factory. Every child who walked through the door, and they were always referred, or nearly always, by public and private schools in the Charlotte area. Every single child, I I never knew of an exception to this. I never heard of an exception to this, received a diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and a recommendation that the child begin therapy, counseling in order to help him cope, and and of course, medication. And parents, a, a number of parents, Being skeptical and having certain red flags go up during the interviews that were part and parcel of this whole diagnostic process would bring the reports that this group would generate. And after receiving about 10 of these reports over maybe a year's period of time from various parents who'd seen this group and then wanted a second opinion and came to me, maybe because they already knew that I didn't believe in ADHD that I think it's a bogus uh, con game. So I started looking at these reports, and here's what I discovered. Word for word, they were the same report. The only thing that changed were the test results, the numbers. That's all that changed. At the end of the report, uh, the same five recommendations, word for word, were given. And the reports in question were, you know, laced with this uh, pseudo scientific knowledge to make it seem like, you know, these people really knew what they were talking about when all they were doing was trying to make money. Anyway, the, you're getting a flavor as to why the North Carolina Psychology Board would like to find some reason to take away my license. They've tried on two separate occasions. Well, I would even call it two and a half <laughs> and not succeeded. They have had to be educated as to the fact that the Constitution protects my right to speak freely freely on this subject. They cannot prove that anything I have ever said has caused harm. All they can say about what I say about psychology and psychological practice is they don't like it and they don't agree with it. Well, unfortunately, that's not reason enough to take my license away. And sometimes people say, well, John, you don't believe in psychology. You you think it's bogus. Uh, You think it's a uh, ideology, not a science. Why do you keep your license? Well, I keep my license so that I can say what I say about psychology and the mental health professions in general with credibility. I'm an insider. I'm like a spy giving uh, the public reports on a regular basis. And in all fairness, I have asked you know mental health professionals, psychiatrists who have allied themselves with churches, like uh, Rick Warren's church in California has allied itself with the, uh, the American Psychiatric Association. I have challenged these people to debate me publicly, to tell me how I am wrong about anything I say about the mental health professions, and all I hear is crickets, 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 and more crickets. That's all I hear. And then occasionally I get a letter from the North Carolina psychology board saying they'd like to discuss certain issues with me. And then they get a letter from an attorney and uh, the conversation or the conversation that they would like to have goes nowhere, which is where it should go. Because the conversation in question will be, in fact, a waste of everyone's time. And just give me more negative things to say about the profession of psychology and mental health in general. If you want to see an interesting take on all this, all you need to do is Google Kentucky Psychology Board John Rosemond and read the amazing story of how I had to take the Kentucky Psychology Board into federal court. I had to sue them in federal court for attempting to suppress my First Amendment liberties. And by the way, they lost, and I mean resoundingly. My thanks in that regard, by the way, to the Institute for Justice, who upon hearing about my case, stepped up to the plate and gave the Kentucky Psychology Board a much-needed lesson in the Constitution of the United States. Anyway, so I'm talking about these tests, and I'm saying... You know, when I make this charge that these tests are superfluous, that they are done simply to create the impression that the psychologist is going through this mysterious scientific process to arrive at a diagnosis of ADHD, the standard answer from psychologists is Oh, John, you misunderstand. These tests are not given to arrive at the diagnosis. They're only given to give us a big picture of the child so that we can develop a more coherent treatment plan. No, they're not, because the treatment plan is always the same. It's not individualized. The test results don't play into it in any significant way. There may be some exceptions to that, but they are rare. Why If the tests in question are not necessary to the diagnosis, why aren't parents told exactly that? Why aren't they told? Now, Mr. and Mrs. uh, Whomever, I would like to administer a series of tests to your child, which are going to cost you $3,500, but not to obtain a diagnosis. I've already arrived at my diagnosis. But what I want to do is get a better picture of your child through these very expensive tests why aren't parents told something like that? Why isn't the question framed in that fashion? And then call me even more cynical. There's the fact that public schools receive supplementary funding for every child diagnosed with ADHD and put on what is called an Individualized Education Program, or IEP. And by the way, this applies to certain private schools, by the way, those who have contracted with public schools to provide them with specialized pupil personnel services. And, and and again, call me cynical a third or fourth time. I've lost track in this show. But when money is a possible incentive to making a diagnosis, I am suspect. So about this eight-year-old boy, two things jump out at me. First, he didn't have any problems in grade one. Second, the second-grade teacher is inexperienced. It may very well be that this child's struggles, say more about her, the teacher, than they do him. I would be inclined under the circumstances to give the child the benefit of the doubt and simply recommend that the parents hire a tutor, ideally an older veteran teacher, to work with him during the summer and bring him up to academic speed before he goes back to school into the third grade without a diagnosis in the fall. There is a principle in science and philosophy. It's called Occam's razor, and I'm not going to go into the derivation of it. Occam, O-C-C-A-M, razor, as in the thing you use or men use to chop hair off their faces. You can look it up and see what it means on the internet. But uh, basically, this, what I'm about to say, is a variation on the principle of Occ- Occam's razor, and that is that in this and in most cases that involve the behavior and academic performance of children, the most obvious explanation for a problem is usually the correct one, the most obvious being the most commonsensical. The explanation, you don't need a PhD. Come up with, and furthermore, the simplest and most obvious solution is also usually the best solution. So, folks, that's been another show, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I enjoy doing it. I'll be back on American Family Radio, same time, same station next week. In the meantime, many, many blessings on you and your families.